Hi, I'm Dr. Timothy Harlan, and I am Associate Dean for Clinical Services at Tulane University School of Medicine and the Executive Director of the Goldring Center for Culinary Medicine. So we're talking about bariatric surgery and diet implications for patients, both pre-operative as well as peri- and post-operative. All three of these have different sets of challenges for our patients who are considering surgery. There's a number of options for the treatment of obesity. We have a, a holistic view of this. And there really are about eight things that you can use to help your patients lose weight. And really an interesting thing is, is that's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Those eight are dietetic counseling and dietetic counseling with meal replacement therapy. Meal replacement therapy has been shown to be very effective. Exercise is not necessarily one of those modalities that patients will do by itself for weight loss, but it certainly helps augment the other seven modalities. The diabetes prevention program is one that often goes overlooked and is widely available across the United States, especially at YMCA's. It's a comprehensive 16-week program that's certified by the CDC. The fourth modality is health coaching. I think that has come to the forefront in the last seven or eight years, and there's a lot of really good data around having your patients participate in health coaching. The pharmaceutical treatment of obesity is really underprescribed, I think, especially at the primary care level. Anti-obesity medications are and can be extremely effective for helping with patients' weight loss. Cognitive behavioral therapy is something that also goes underused and underutilized. One of the interesting things about cognitive behavioral therapy is that most people have thought of this for our patients with body image issues or some traumas in their life, but the fact of the matter is that it can help also just with planning and how your patient thinks about strategies for weight loss and, and helping them modify some of their behaviors. The last of these is bariatric surgery, and, and certainly in bariatric surgery, many people think of it as a modality of last resort, and it is one of those where we want to help our patients through the other therapies, behavioral therapy, maybe diabetes prevention program, prior to getting to an intervention such as bariatric surgery. Now, we also believe that culinary medicine fits at the center of all these, and by helping teach our patients about food cooking and managing their kitchen, that it complements all eight of those, the dietary counseling, counseling with meal replacement, cognitive behavioral therapy, exercise, diabetes prevention program, health coaching, pharmaceutical intervention, as well as bariatric surgery. I think the first thing for primary care physicians such as myself, the first thing to know is that this is a team approach. And having your patient seen by the bariatric surgery team and coordinating care with the bariatric surgery team is the first step in this process, I think. By making certain that the patient is taking steps in these other arenas, as I mentioned, these other eight modalities, that ensures future success with bariatric surgery. 
So that means coordinating with the surgeon, making sure that the patient is getting a psychological evaluation, which is always part of the workup, always should be part of the workup, working with your patient on exercise, and then considering any obesity medications as part of that initial drive towards weight loss prior to surgery. Lastly, but not complete necessarily, but one of the most important things is to make sure that your patient is coordinating with a dietitian who has some understanding of the challenges that patients who undergo bariatric surgery will face, again, both preoperatively, but also peri- and postoperatively. The interesting thing, I think, is that this is where everything that we learned in physiology comes to the forefront, you know, as far as mostly absorption. Certainly, there are issues with decreased oral intake. But at the same time, because of some of the changes in the architecture of the stomach, for instance, with, you know, changes in the quantity of chief cells, the first and foremost, and I think the one that's the most common for, for folks to think about is vitamin B12 deficiency. But at the same time, other absorption issues can be a challenge, partly due to different transit and different absorption capabilities downstream in the small intestine. And so the first and foremost recommendation, and it's one of the few places that I recommend any sort of multivitamin. You know, I think multivitamins are certainly overused and the vast majority of us don't need to take a multivitamin or, or mineral supplementation. And so a multivitamin and chewable or the liquid forms are the best absorbed. The gummies are probably not the best choice. It's really a good idea that that multivitamin contain uh, selenium and zinc as well. There, there are some different post-intervention strategies for iron, folic acid, thiamine, and copper. They vary a little bit depending on whether it's a sleeve gastrectomy, uh, RUIN-Y, or gastric banding. And the post-intervention, definitely calcium supplementation along with vitamin D3 is the standard of care now. The vitamin D, as most of us realize, is fat-soluble, so consuming that vitamin D with a fattier meal is a pretty good idea. Now, there are a lot of food sources that are very high in calcium as well. Milk is a good choice. Greek yogurt, leafy green vegetables are kind of overlooked sometimes for calcium as well as nuts and nut butters. The vitamin D that I mentioned, probably sublingual is best at 1,000 micrograms at least every other day, so 500 micrograms per day. And then making certain that as part of the post-operative workup and occasional monitoring of iron, vitamin D, vitamin B, folic acid are really paramount to make certain that patients are getting properly replaced. The key takeaway is that bariatric surgery is uh, a key component for our patients with morbid obesity who, who do have comorbidities that go along with that morbid obesity, and it can make a significant difference in long-term morbidity and mortality for those patients. 
But again, it goes back to being part of this toolbox that we have with these eight modalities and then making certain that your patient is learning as much as they can from a culinary medicine perspective so that they have a really great understanding of what they can and how they should be managing their day-to-day lives as far as what they're consuming, what they're eating. Thanks for listening to this podcast on bariatric surgery and diet-related issues in bariatric surgery. I'm Timothy Harlan. You can find more information about culinary medicine at healthmeetsfood.com.